2: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
1: Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally a upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s.
2: Well, I'm not a crook.
1: Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now, the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. Hey, Con, as usual, we've got two big topics to explore. Uh, The first one is, should Internet providers be immune from lawsuits... And there's a reason we're talking about that now. The U.S. Supreme Court just had a big oral argument on this yesterday. In yes, this two. is the potential death of the Internet case that yeah, everyone that's is right. talking about. That's pretty dramatic. Oh, yeah. And, and topic two is uh, cash bail, no cash bail. Some people think no cash bail leads to more crimes. And we will explore that. And finally, of course, we're going to play Guess the Verdict, America's favorite game show at the end of the podcast, where I give Connor the facts of the case, and he guesses the outcome Uh, today. It's going to be the case of the car purchase that went very, very badly. So that's at the end of the episode. So topic number one, Con, should uh, internet providers be immune from losses? this issue of legal immunity for social media platforms and internet news sites is really thorny. I mean, you know, on the one hand, we are used to the very basic idea that you do not shoot the messenger. If you pick up the New York Times and the headline says, Alex Jones says, no children were killed at Sandy Hook. You don't get mad at the Times. Well, maybe some people do, but you really shouldn't blame them. They're, they're just reporting. You don't sue them. You sue Alex Jones. And people did and they won big. On the oh, yeah. other hand, what if to feather their own financial nest, somebody like, oh, I don't know, Google uh, allegedly steers you toward violent terrorist messages boasted by ISIS? So that's not really being a messenger. That's like the guy who stands outside the topless bar in Times Square saying, come on in and bring a fistful of dollars. The guy on the sidewalk isn't shaking his booty, but he's kind of parked of the enterprise. So that's what was at stake. <laughs>
0: I love you your know. metaphor. This is really good. Yeah, well, it just
1: uh, popped into my head. Google
0: Sergey Brin, CEO, uh, as a topless bar carnival barker. Um, <laughs> also, maybe shaking his booty on the side in my head. It's, I'm seeing it. Yeah.
1: You never know. So yesterday, Tuesday, Feb 21, uh, oral argument uh, on this case before the high court When the Internet was young in the 90s, Congress passed a law, the Communications Decency Act and Section 230 of the act said online platforms can't be sued over what their users post and they can't be sued about the platform's decisions to take stuff down. So now a few decades later, there's this big controversy over the power of tech titans to censor messages or or be irresponsible. And the case had to do with a 23 year old college student who was killed in a restaurant in Paris in 2015, a terrorist attack. Her family sued saying Google used algorithms to push ISIS videos to interested viewers. So, I guess my first question for you, Connor, what do you think of the the point made by Justice Kagan in the Supreme Court yesterday? She said, this was a pre-algorithm statute giving little guidance to us in a post-algorithm world. Is that the right way to be looking at this?
0: Well, that is, I think, for the average lay Supreme Court watcher or lawyer Supreme Court watcher or average podcast listener, probably not a useful framing uh, from, from the, the high court because nobody really knows what an algorithm is unless you're a computer scientist, a computer programmer who understands what people mean when they say the algorithm or an algorithm, uh, you're going to hear her say this and say, what is she talking about pre-algorithm? World? So, well, so what, what you're
1: she's- saying is she's not only figuratively talking down to us, um, She's literally talking down to us because she's uh, up on, on a elevator. very high bench. Yeah.
0: No, what she's saying is that we live in a world that is defined by computer programs. that are not specifically, at least not always monitored by human hands, guided by human hands. And we're dealing with the uh, the fallout of the like massive expansion of uh, the architecture of the internet and the way that we receive information, especially news and social media information, we no longer open up the front page of the New York Times and see, as you put it, that Alex Jones quote, carefully curated by a group, a panel of editors, senior editors, after it was written by a panel of qualified journalists. And the process is all vetted and every word carefully chosen the night before, such that you've got Alex Jones's statement and then you've got the the editorial and journalistic couching around that statement to make sure that people understand that this is an allegation. It's a it's a it's a it's a wild you know a, a, a claim that requires substantial evidence. They might bring in an expert on the other side that says. Actually, uh, there were many ki- chi- children killed at the Sandy Hook shooting, and Alex Jones' statement is unfounded or based on a common conspiracy theory about X, Y, Z. And then the article goes on to talk about the context. Instead, we now live in a world where Alex Jones simply has Twitter uh, a Twitter account, or did before. Of course, it was it's now long gone. Um, but uh, because of curation uh, by social media companies, uh, but fake people out in the world just get to blast out their opinions. And the algorithm, meaning the trending system, the system by which uh, posts on the internet created by people or news organizations or whatever else, all have to fight with each other for dominance in this dog-eat-dog survival of the fittest world to climb to the top of people's news feeds or YouTube recommend, you know, video recommendation autoplays that come on after the video you're watching or whatever else. So this Section 230 case that showed up in front of the Supreme Court, you've got plaintiffs, uh, the family of this poor deceased woman who was shot by ISIS extremists in Paris, as you said, um, they say, well, Google, who owns YouTube, whether Alphabet, who owns Google, who owns YouTube, um, they push, recommend content to people that is of an extreme nature based on the extremist stuff that people have been watching previously. So Google has built an algorithm that at best, at best, does not care that the people who look up extreme or violent or dangerous content will then get fed even more and further, more extreme uh, uh, violent, dangerous content, I mean, further potentially radicalizing them. If you watch videos about baseball, you're gonna keep getting more and more videos about baseball. And guess what? From my personal experience, they're gonna get even more intense. They're gonna get into the saber metrics and you're gonna do the statistics that that you know and the players' backgrounds you go deeper and deeper and deeper into a rabbit hole because that's how YouTube algorithm
1: yeah, let me let me jump works. in though and, and just pose a question here from a Luddite standpoint. Yeah, Why is the algorithm world that much different from the previous world? Hasn't it always been a matter of choice for publishers and editors in terms of what they put out to the public? I mean, Time Magazine, I'm sure, does fancy Consumer research to know whether to run a story on Joe Biden getting really? older, Sly Stallone making a comeback, Bernie Sanders is still cranky. I mean, guns and ammo. <laughs> they know their guys like you know, a semi-automatic pistols. So. So they advertise it. Why is it so unique? Uh, yeah. Why is it unique that you've got an algorithm? Because we have these we had these guidelines before algorithms it, existed. It may not be unique. It may not be different. But the people who say who are saying it is are saying there
0: needs to be a backstop. There needs to be someone with whom the buck stops. Right? You need an editor at the uh, New York Times who has to answer for the fact that that Alex Jones statement gets to snatch a headline away from legitimate news and eat up space on the page. Why is this newsworthy? Why is this valuable? Why is it important? Why are we pushing it to people? That responsibility on the publisher is, in a sense, what the plaintiffs in this Section 230 case are asking for. They're saying, hey, YouTube, you should be acting uh, or, or taking the responsibility of the fact that you're acting like a publisher. You're acting like the editor of the the front page of the New York Times. You're controlling the information that goes into all of our faces. And you need to be accountable for the fact that you're making millions of billions of dollars of ad revenue off recommending people content using these algorithms without regard for whether it's going to harm people or lead to violence or anything else. All you care about is your bottom line. And if the New York Times said, well, we don't care about backstops. We don't care about, uh, you know, protection of the public. Nobody is going to be accountable. It's an algorithm. It's a computer. You can't sue us because uh, we're just allowing Alex Jones to speak freely. And hey, it's a free speech world. And really, you don't want to destroy Facebook and Twitter and all the other social media platforms. I do. But you you don't want to do that because uh, it would just take us too much time and money and effort uh, to police the content on our platform. So just let us take it down whenever we get alerts or feel like it. Uh, But we'll keep recommending people content, unvetted, unverified content that could be dangerous and violent. And for all intents and purposes, we 100% know will be. Right? They understand how their algorithms, algorithms work. They see the outcomes of them, and they say, oh, this keeps recommending people more and more violent, dangerous content, but we're going to keep doing it anyway because it will be very expensive to police that, right? So that's mm-hmm. the situation that we're in, and now we get to the high court, and now a guy named Eric Schnapper, and I apologize for his the pronunciation, but it's S-C-H-N-A-P. Well, I think Eric
1: is correct.
0: Thank you very much. Eric Schnapper uh, did the oral argument on Section Two Hundred and Thirty, uh, and getting several, uh, uh, you know, watching the the legal news, the legal world uh, tear apart his performance. Look, let's you know, let's not uh, uh, beat around the bush. People on the internet like to uh, tear you apart, right? When you're in the public eye and you're trying to do a difficult job, um, people are, are going to be cruel, right? But. In this particular scenario, a lot of people, including Tim Wu, who's a professor at Columbia and a former official of the White House, uh, in the Biden White House. Um, it was very harsh, very critical of of Schnapper's uh, performance. Uh, he said he was quote way out of his league and harsh. threw away every lifeline thrown to him by the justices who might have been potentially friendly. And as he, as Tim, uh, Mr. Wu put it, Professor Wu put it, he said painful to watch such a nationally important issue. On Whether the other, other hand,
1: Connor. On the other hand, Connor, he can mess up his answers as much as he wants the justices who asked friendly questions are probably going to vote the same way whether he gave a brilliant answer or not because that good reflects point. their view
0: very good point point. and most of these uh uh most of these justices are probably uh, sure of before an oral argument where they're going to go when it comes to being you know, on the supreme court but but this is not necessarily it's not necessarily true right some of the people who've been the most critical of section 230 like Thomas, right? A, a lot of a lot of the conservatives on the court really want to uh crack down on social media companies, big tech, because there's the the, the right wing position that big tech has too much control over our lives, and they are you know controlling the media that we all consume, and they censor conservatives. And so people like Clarence Thomas, who have espoused those views before, his wife certainly has espoused those views before, they're some of the most friendly uh potential justices. And yet, Thomas seemed to indicate I don't think this is it. I don't think this is the case. Now, if you're losing Thomas, who's your audience, right? I mean, this is a this is he's the most right wing probably on the the court. So he's probably going to be the most ideologically likely, which means that, you know, Lisa Blatt, uh, of course, uh, we we all know Lisa Blatt famous uh, attorney. Um she had a much easier case representing uh, Google on this side, right? But Schnapper um is on this case has has landed this se- section 230 argument um in large part allegedly uh oh, there's a great article on bloomberg uh law about this um uh, this month on feb 17 uh schnapper has argued many high court cases he's argued 22 times in front of the supreme court so he's not he's not a, a random guy they got off the street right but he's an employment discrimination lawyer who has spent a Decades at the NAACP um, Legal Defense and Education Fund, and teaches at the University of Washington. That's good, right? This is that that that's obviously a great set you resume. But he's not a tech guy, right? Yeah, probably so wasn't how, wasn't the perfect guy. For so this how job. did he end up there? The answer is big tech, Google, YouTube. They hired. Basically, everybody who was a tech lawyer who might have been a good uh, uh, advocate to to make the oral argument in front of the court, they hired and conflicted, uh, conflicted them out. So, because of attorney, <laughs> because of client, you know, conflicts. All wow. oh, I previously represented Google, so I can't argue against them. I might know their secrets. Google snaps up all the good attorneys, and they leave them with pretty, this guy who's clever, a, pretty clever, uh, and a an lawyer.
1: You, you probably heard Connor the story about uh, what happened in the divorce context along those lines. It, there was some divorce in a you know relatively small town in South Carolina, and so um, the husband goes to uh, 10 different divorce lawyers, interviews all of them, uh, lays bare his soul, picks one of them, and then takes the position, well, my wife can't hire any of the other nine because they already heard my side of the story, confidential information. Of course. Even though I know, I didn't pick them. And of course, that means you know, she was left with the public defender from my cousin Vinny.
0: Of, to, of to course. This is, this is a process that is often called taint shopping. You go shopping for lawyers intending to taint all the biggest and best and coolest law firms and their lawyers uh, to uh, such that your opponent cannot hire them. And that's why so
1: many people interview you. uh, Exactly. I'm just they're knocking my door off the market. (laughs) Hey, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about how during this Supreme Court oral argument, um, perhaps Justice Alana Kagan made her debut as a stand-up comic. Ooh. So that, after we pause, but first, Connor's going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lords.
0: Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you're listening to us, you found us once, but make sure you find us every week by getting us pushed to your email inbox or your podcast platform or pushed to your phone. You can turn on those notifications, hit uh, you know whatever bell or like or subscribe or join button. Join on Apple Podcasts, probably the most important of them all, um, and leave us a comment while you're there. We love them. We appreciate
1: them. Uh, and uh, we read them every time. We'll be right back. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, during the oral argument before the U.S. Supreme Court on this uh, internet immunity case, uh, it was held yesterday, and um, it was a fun comment by Justice Elena Kagan. At one point, she said, you know, these are not like the nine greatest experts on the internet, referring to herself and her colleagues. Of course, the Supreme Court gallery erupted in laughter, which probably was a felony, but anyway, I'm just wondering... (laughs) Is she is she rehearsing for her debut at Open Mic Night at the Washington DC Chuckle Hut?
0: Yeah, she probably is. Now, this is actually a very common thing and people looked at this uh shocker. There was an article I saw on apple news uh sorry on apple insider which is a a a website that generally talks about tech issues but specifically apple and of course apple's very concerned with section 230 very much is in in the camp of google and other big tech companies so of course their news outlet is talking about oh elena kagan says uh the supreme court should isn't the group that should be uh you know uh, regulating this issue and deciding this issue that it should be in the hands of congress guess what guys This happens in almost every case, right? The parties who are leaning one direction and who uh, are facing a difficult decision, uh, they're justices, Supreme Court justices are constantly saying things like, "I don't know if we should be doing this, folks. This isn't really our purview. Congress is really the one that makes laws. We just interpret them." The Supreme Court is constantly making those sorts of statements, um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, you know, she's made some big admission that oh, so the Supreme Court just ha- can't handle it. We just don't know what we're doing. We're idiots. It, she's instead saying what well, our job is to interpret the law, and if the law is vague and ambiguous we're not the ones who should be rewriting the law we should be throwing it back to congress because fundamentally that is what is well, one conception one idea about what the what congress and supreme court's roles are as branches of the government right congress writes a law they get as specific and detailed as they can given the information they have and the technology that exists and then the law starts getting enforced and then the technology changes and the information changes and suddenly that is, you know, it, it, it's expired, it's stale, it's old, right? This is a pre algorithm law, right? So then it goes in front of the Supreme Court in a specific case with new facts and new kinds of internet technology, and it's confusing. And the court goes, oh my gosh, well, we can either try to salvage it. Or we can specifically say this is not our purview, and we're kicking it back to Congress. and We'll make a recommendation. It's not official. It's just in their opinion. Hey, please, Congress, solve this problem. Like This is not our, our fault. We don't know what to do. We can't interpret this law. It's fundamentally flawed because of the way that technology has evolved. That is a totally normal thing. It happens all the time. But in the meantime… This case got to be decided one yeah. way or well, another. Now,
1: now, there's another uh, problem with what ju- what Justice Kagan said about, oh, golly, like uh, we're not the nine greatest experts on the Internet. I love the fact that she tossed in the word like, you know, yeah. like as if she's a, a valley. Very girl. relatable. So here's here's my problem with her statement, Connor. Um, every Supreme Court justice has oh four or five clerks who are 20-somethings, who each of them has a, an IQ in the neighborhood of Mozart and Isaac Newton combined, and they have learned computers since age two. So I don't think there's any problem with an uh, understanding of technology uh, in front of these folks. Uh, it, what, what was surprising to me was Justice Kavanaugh made a comment. Uh, he's a pragmatist, apparently. Listen to his comment here. He was worried during the oral argument that a decision limiting immunity... Uh, you know, hurting the tech companies mm-hmm. would, quote, really crash the digital economy with all sorts of effects on workers and consumers, retirement plans and what have you. My question is, whatever happened to the old axiom, let justice prevail, though the heavens may fall. He's, he's thinking that, oh, gee, we, we don't want to rule against these tech companies because, oh, it might have a deleterious effect on the economy is really is that what he should be thinking about?
0: Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely it, it, it's a problem that we are uh, forced as a Supreme Court, uh, we as though I'm on the Supreme Court, uh, the Supreme Court, Supreme Court is forced to make decisions that have both pragmatic, practical uh, effects, outcomes, and also sort of interpret the law in a reasonable way. And imagine in a hypothetical scenario, uh, the the law governing murder, though that is a state crime, Uh, not a federal issue, but somehow it makes its way up to the Supreme Court in a murder case. And uh, let's say that the law that has to do with assassinating the president, that's a federal crime. And there's a statute on there that says, hey, don't assassinate the president. Uh, And it's a federal crime if you do it. And that law gets kicked up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court looks at it and they go, oh, gosh, darn dang it, didn't they make a Ding-dang old spelling error in this law that makes it really unclear, so unclear that it cannot be reasonably enforced and it's not constitutional to have a law that says you can't assassinate the president. So what are you going to do? We're we're repealing it. There's now no law that says you could assassinate the president. Congress, get right on that. At uh, any time you guys feel like stop you know, uh, getting out of the doldrums and actually passing a law for the first time in your lives, how about we get a new law that says that you can't assassinate the president? Well, guess what? What if somebody wants to assassinate the president in the meantime? right? What about the practical mm-hmm. outcomes? right? I'm not a Kavanaugh fan, not by any stretch, but he <laughs> is right to be thinking about these things because these nine uh, tech idiots hold in their hands – the keys to the kingdom, the power. They're the most powerful nine people in the uh, world. The, you know,
1: the nine idiots plus their 45 genius yeah, exactly. helpers. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, you know, we've actually uh, run out of time on the cash bail issue, so we'll do that next time. So when we come back, we're going to play Guess the Verdict. Stick with us.
2: Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for
0: electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful?
2: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
1: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, it's time for the game show Guess the Verdict. I'm going to give you a... um... Facts of a Case, and you uh, get to guess the outcome. This one comes from Wyoming. Are you ready to head up to Frigid, Wyoming? Absolutely. Okay, so a, a Wyoming man uh, wants to sell a car, and a gal shows up, and they dick her, and uh, next thing you know, they they strike a deal, Connor. Uh, he'll give her the car. Mm-hmm. She'll give him $100 plus, wow. plus 100 sexual favors. So, doggone it, if she pays the 100 And she she does provide 33 sexual favors. But after that, she gets tired of the deal. Well, she just she just quits. Okay. so what does the guy do? Well, this is America. He files a lawsuit. He wants the rest of the sexual favors. He even has a blow up chart in the in the court to show exactly the dates. And he probably gave it too many details about what was Uh, going on. But anyway, so um, what do you think? It happened in this case between the seller of the car and the woman who just didn't want to complete the deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there are two concepts here that are uh, brought to the fore. Ones uh, that we we see one that was a very practical outcome uh, that we see in many, too many lawyers' cases uh, uh, in contract disputes uh, where the the case the, the contract is void for uh, or unenforceable for illegality. Right. But we'll get to that. The more interesting and inside baseball uh, a question that is brought to the fore by this uh, case is a concept called specific performance. And I think you can see where I'm going with this uh, probably in contract law because I'm a have, Broadway fan. I can. Sure. There we are. Yeah. If you're if you're in a contract uh, uh, with somebody, you've got a contract with somebody and that contract is to deliver uh, 100 widgets. Uh, for a hundred dollars, um, and you uh, the contract is broken for whatever reason. Uh, the widget factory shuts down or something, and you can't you can't do it. Uh, or they just have the widgets and they don't want to give them to you because the price changed. Um, you go to court and you file your lawsuit, and the you win your lawsuit, and you say, "Give me my widgets." And the judge says, "Oh yeah, you wanted those widgets. Um, too bad. I don't care. I know he probably has a warehouse that has the hundred widgets in it. Uh, he could just load up a truck, send him over your place, drop them off." I'm not going to make him do that. I know you won the lawsuit, but I just don't care because we don't do that here unless it's the only thing we can do. The last resort, right? Specifically performing the contract of delivering those widgets, that's not how we like to resolve cases. Instead, we will simply give you your damages, which might be the value of those widgets that you could turn around and sell on the marketplace. Because writing people a check is a lot better, easier, faster, smoother, and has fewer wrinkles and hiccups than a specific performance remedy. If you instead said to the uh, parties, yes, deliver those uh, those hundred widgets, and they show up, what if they're defective? Then you get dragged back in court. The judge has to get ba- put back on his robes and go to work. And he doesn't want to do any of that. He wants to sit at home and eat bonbons like all judges do, right? He doesn't want this rolling back into his courtroom and ruining his life. He wants it over and done with. He says, give him $100 and you go away and be happy with it. And that's it. In other cases, say you have a a contract to deliver the Mona Lisa, and somebody doesn't, and they say, well, my damages are a billion dollars. Even if you give them a billion dollars, they have a pretty good argument to say, I mean, come on, hold on. I don't want a billion dollars. I want the Mona Lisa. This is a thing. It's the only thing. There's no other solution to this, right? And so this guy in court. Is basically asking for the Mona Lisa, right? He's saying I deserve sixty-seven. Given the sexual... lady a lot of credit. <laughs> I deserve sixty-seven acts of uh, sexual gratification, uh, or whatever else specifics he was looking for. And the judge, in no world, even if it were legal, is going to say after the two have been engaged in this, you know, litigation, this dispute, you've got to perform sex acts upon one another. It's that gonna there's no way you would ever force people to do that right by the power of law in the same way that you wouldn't force somebody to deliver widgets or show up and mow their lawn or do anything else that you you are specifically required to by contract you just liquidate it you just turn it into cash you everybody walks away that's it so that's why he would lose on asking for the remainder of his 67 missing sex acts uh but then before all of that as i teased at the beginning Uh, It's void for illegality. You can't go to court and get a contract uh, enforced if uh, the act that you're asking for in the contract is illegal. It's unenforceable. It's an unenforceable contract. It's gone. It's disappeared. It's like it never existed.
1: You're absolutely right. You got this one right. The court said that the contract was for prostitution and thus illegal and unenforceable. I don't know if the judge was even sophisticated enough to get to your first point. But But, it's so much
0: fun to talk about specific (laughs) performance.
1: Exactly right. All right. You did it again. Your batting average is even higher, and uh, that'll do it for uh, Too Many Lawyers today. We'll see you next week.